Have you ever wondered how to pivot your passion into a full-fledged business without the traditional safety net of a college degree? Perhaps you're looking for inspiration to chase your dreams, no matter how unconventional they may be. Or maybe you're curious about the journey of how a hip-hop artist who had a day job in IT became an entrepreneur with a seven-figure agency. Our guest today, Jamar Jones, is a creative soul, a hip-hop artist turned entrepreneur, IT job by day, rapper by night and weekends. Learn why he was forced to end his career as a rapper and what he did afterwards. He's a dynamic force behind the media agency Forever Media, a million-dollar enterprise built from passion, dedication, and undying will. His story challenges the norms and empowers all of us to forge our own path to success. Want to know how he transitioned from producing music to producing digital content? Or are you intrigued about the critical moments that defined his journey? Then brace yourselves because we're about to dive into Jamar's compelling journey. From his days of changing high schools and trying to make it in the music industry to building a media empire, his tale is full of inspiration and practical advice. So gear up for a conversation right here on the No Degree Podcast. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow button or subscribe. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Hear these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today... I have Jamar Jones. What's good? Found, what's up? The <laughs> founder of Forever Media. And I want to say that I've had the pleasure of speaking at one of his events called Lead the Movements. And I got to see him rap on stage. And it was one of the coolest performances that I've ever seen. I had no idea that you were that talented. I knew you were talented, but it's always cool when you see another side of a person. So can you go into... A little more detail of what you do? Yeah, man. Well, thank you first for having me on here. Um, you know, I love this topic of no degree. So, uh, and I know we've had some uh, late nights discussing this already in Denver. So I can't wait to dive into it with everybody else listening in. So what I do is, is a, I'm multifaceted, multi-talented. So I'm also trying to figure out still everything for myself. Um, but I'm a founder of Forever Media. We launch podcasts for companies and we throw some crazy immersive events <laughs> because of that. But we're all about connection. You know, that's that's just what we do. And we do that for podcasting, for revenue growth and, um, and brand engagement. I'm also a national keynote speaker and then the author of the book, Change Your Circle, Change Your Life. So my whole day is always a mix, but it's, you know, business, ops, marketing, sales, uh, and then I get to do cool things like this, podcasts, speak on stages, um, promote my book, uh, MC, host stuff. I mean, it goes on and on. Um, so it's it's an up and down day <laughs> with all different types of tasks and responsibilities. Man, that that's the life of an entrepreneur. So when people say that you absolutely need a degree, it's like, nah, you need to put in work because yeah. your work ethic is not something that you learn in college. So let's take a step back. How was high school like for you and what did you want to be in high school? Well, high school sucked for me personally, just because I went to four different high schools in three different states. Wow. So you can, <laughs> you can yeah. just imagine like that, you know, uh, and what I wanted to be, I was a little unsure. I mean, my, I was gung, you know, set on being a, a hip hop artist. 
Like that's what I wanted to be like out of high school. You know, it's like, dude, I gotta make it. I gotta, I gotta figure yeah. out a way, get signed, do that whole thing. I was, I did motivational hip hop in high school. It was just was rough. I moved, did a lot of moving around. I, I faced uh, racism um, at, at certain schools, and then like I had a lot of anger issues because of all the move and just you know dealing with myself basically, just trying to figure out who I was. A lot of people weren't listening listening to me um, as I was kind of growing up. So it was a very weird time for me. Um, I learned a lot and I'm appreciative of some things now, today, but back then, I mean, I was a completely different person than what you're seeing and listening to right now. <laughs> so let's go through the journey, right? So like, how does someone get into music, right? Like, what are you doing? Like, are you listening to other songs? Are you creating? Are you learning about beats? Like, how do you get into it? Yeah, I just like anything, you just got to start. And I think that's what happens with a lot of um, creatives and, and and artists. And people will just say, hey, let me let me get my laptop. Let me get a mic and let me just start, you know, putting something together. Let me start writing. Let me get a notebook. Let me start typing out some lyrics. For me, it all started with poetry. So I was into poetry, writing. I was creative with words. That's how well, I was like my outlet, my emotional outlet to talk, you know, or just to get my ideas out of my head, put them on paper. And that was my way of communicating, uh, communicating with others. So when you want to get started in music, it's really just getting the stuff out of your head and putting it on paper, becoming a, a writer and, and just perfecting that craft. And then, you know, getting a mic, the only way you're really going to get good, I think with, with music, especially if you're more of a, on the vocal side. So you got to put the reps in. So like, just get a mic, start, put some songs. They're going to be whack. They're going to be trash. Like no one's going to come out with a banger right out the gate. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Most of your favorite artists, you're listening to their stuff when they've made it. You're listening to 10 plus years of grind. Yeah. It's such an anomaly for somebody to come out the gate and be the Justin Bieber. And I'm eight years old yeah. and I'm just, you know, I got found by Usher on YouTube. Like that yeah, doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Normally, and, look, and again, he was a singer, right? So for a singer, right. you can have someone else write your stuff. Whereas like as a rapper, it's it's a different thing. And you don't want someone writing your stuff, you you know, because they have to write it for your flow. Especially when you're just starting, just start writing, start recording, and then just learn. Like now it's, uh, I didn't have all the, the resources that are today. Yeah. But dude, YouTube is like, you can learn how to do beat production. Yeah. You can learn how to mix and master. You can learn how to do some, a lot of stuff for free, man. GarageBand. Yeah. I mean, you get a Mac, <laughs> you got yeah, GarageBand. Yeah, yeah. You literally can record a song, get a mic, go right down to your Best Buy, Target. I mean, everything's so accessible. I had to go to the music store, yeah, yeah. go pick out the mic, you know, like <laughs> drop like 400 bucks on the mic, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a grind, but anybody can get into it. That's why I love music and the artistry of it because anybody can kind of, you know, they can start. Yeah. Now, how did you fund it? Like, how did you buy that $400 mic? Did you have other yeah. jobs? Yeah, I, I had in and out jobs, man. I dude, I worked from everything. I had uh, Red Lobster. I worked there for a year and a half, from like a, a host to a, a yeah. waiter. Um, I've done McDonald's, Wendy's. You know, I I used to rap gifts, yeah. so not like rapping songs. I used yeah, to yeah, rap, yeah. Rap You're an official gifts. rapper. Yeah, I got fired for that job, but I wasn't rapping a gifts fast. Enough. <laughs> 
<laughs> now you got you got the bars and the delivery and the speed on the mic, but not on the <laughs> Yeah. I could have rapped the gifts, I could rap the songs. And then uh yeah, and then I just had all this odd end jobs. I did sales, you know, door-to-door sales. I've done uh, you know, cutting grass, just picking up. So really all that money that I got and everything just went into the craft, you know. I mean, at the time I was all, it was living with my parents too, still in high school. So everything just went into the craft, you know, to to do that until I can, you know, till till then I had to get a car and stuff like that when I was around 17. But yeah, it's it's you got to invest in yourself. You know, if you want to start anything, you have to invest into the the technology or the equipment, but you also have to invest into your mindset. Like you're learning, you know, and that that transpires in, across all industries, roles of whatever you're doing. You got to invest in yourself. So, when would you say you stop being whack, right? Like eventually <laughs> you're like, yo, you look at your own, you listen to your own stuff and you're like, all right, I was trash, but now I'm getting it, right? I'm getting a flow. I understand music a lot more. I understand my style. I'm leaning into it. When did you start getting better that people are like, yo, I'm actually like your friend's going to actually listen to it because yeah. they like what you have to say as opposed to like, yo, let me just throw Jamar a bone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think the transition happened when, uh, and it was gradual. I would say it was gradual. Cause like, so when I was in high school, I was very, like I said, I was an angry individual. So that transpired into the music. So I used to be yelling on tracks, man, yelling, um, just furious. Uh, and, and also I used to put way too many words in one bar. So like, yeah. I used to just put like, just cram yeah. in so many things. And like, so by the time you just go, and it doesn't rhyme, it doesn't flow yeah. quite. So really that transition actually happened after high school. So after high school, then I started to, um, just kind of hone in on the craft and, and, and it was weird because I, the more I started to learn about myself and get more comfortable in my own skin, the more that the music started to transform. And I don't yeah. know, there's there's some kind of correlation with that, but the more I got a little more comfortable about what I was doing, the swag and that confidence came out in the music as well. I started yeah. to slow it down a little bit. Of course, I got certain moments where I can speed it up, but there's I started to be a little bit more like into the beat. And then that's when people were like, yo, okay. You know, I had this one track called When I See the Money. Dude, when that thing hit... <laughs> Dude, that track was, it's still a banger till this day. Till this day. <laughs> you got to send it to me, man. I got to I gotta listen to it. That song, like, oh my God. And I had my guy Plex on it. Yeah, that song was a huge transformational moment for me. And I had a couple of those songs that I that I did that people were like, yo, that that right there, though, is is a monster. <laughs> that, that, okay, so what happened? You, you released a banger. Like, what happened? Yeah, so then it's like, then it's the other side. And that's why I'm in the, the field I'm in today. It's the marketing and promotion of your own music. You know, how do you get out there? How do you attract an audience? How do you get them to listen in? How do you start to collect the data for emails, phone numbers? How do you remarket out to them? How do you get people to come out to your show? How do you get them to download or back then was buy your CD? You yeah. know, so like, how do you, how do you make that stuff happen? How do you even get a show? So all that stuff. So once you actually have something, then you want to market it out to the world. So I learned a lot through just guerrilla marketing, man. I mean, just learning through the grit and the grind. And I would say that I 
definitely hit a level of success through music, getting a fan base, performing and and traveling, uh, done hundreds and hundreds of shows, opened up for T.I., Snoop Dogg, Keisha Cole, Common, Bone Thugs. Wow. List, list goes on and on, man. I've And I rented out my own. So I did my own show uh, at Turner Hall in Milwaukee. Uh, we had around like four or 500 people there at the show that was all self-promoted. I put all my money up, um, had openers for me. Like that was crazy. And then I opened up for Yellow Wolf actually the next month because I they saw what the draw I did and they brought yeah. me back to open up for Yellow Wolf. Um, and so it was just that promotion, man. And, and so you got to learn that aspect and that's where you learn the business of music. And that's the translation to what I'm doing today. It's because I learned the business of music. I just translate that into, you know, the business of, of helping people market, of helping people get their name out there. You said you put all your money up. Like, what was that? And how much oh, was dude. it? And then how did it feel? Because I know it's like, yo, I'm putting up whatever. Yo. And it's like all the money that I have, it got to go well. I was so nervous. That, that particular show, for the show, it cost me a little bit over 2000 just for the, yeah. the rental. Yeah. Uh, and back then, so I was around my early 20s. Yeah. Back then, that was a lot of money. Now, I was working. I just started working in this corporate uh, IT job. So I did IT for eight years. Yeah. Um, got a chance to do that. And so I had a little bit of that, that steady money where I was like, okay, let me, let me just take a shot. And then the insurance, bro, no one tells you this. If you do oh, events, yeah. insurance kill you, man, because depending on what you're doing. So I was doing hip hop. So they're like, oh, anything yeah. Anything rap, hip hop. They're like, yo, that's immediately 1700 for insurance. For that oh, one man. night. And I was like, are you serious? It's only one night. I got a whole track record. I show you, I've never had a fight. I've never had nothing yeah. happen. And they were like, nah, if, if you say the words rap, yeah, rock yeah. and roll, <laughs> like they, it, it, you it speak too fast. If they if you speak too fast, <laughs> they you done. <laughs> it's just like they're immediately hitting you with the price tag. So I put all that money up. So like probably all in all, it was probably near five, five K with, with all the promotions, okay. the tickets, everything. I ended up just breaking even actually on okay. that show because I was I sold the tickets, I pushed that out, and then the feeling was just just incredible, man. It was uh magical. There's no there's nothing quite like performing, yeah. you know, like that adrenaline, like and then yeah. when I came out, like I was the act. You know, it was like I think I went on like eleven thirty. Um, it was eleven, eleven thirty. And it was just magical, man. I had my whole set list, the lights all choreographed and everything, man. I still got the video to this day, man. It's, Yo, you got to share that crazy. with me. You got to share, share that with me. That, that, <laughs> is, that, that is so awesome. And you know what? A lot of people think like break even, oh, that's not good. But a lot of people don't realize that these events are marketing, right? So it's if you break even yeah. and you're not losing money, you're setting yourself up to get for, for a bigger and better stage and for the next stage. Yeah. So what did that event lead to? So that event led to a lot, man. And that was in the middle of, so I, I created a thing called We Are Cancer Tour. So what I did is I traveled around to all these different colleges and I performed at the Relay for Life. So uh, we did a partnership with American Cancer Society and I performed at all these places and I was like the only hip hop act you know, there, like normally these places just got little family stuff. A lot of college students go there and then they support and raise money for cancer research. Well, yeah. I came in and I was like, Hey, I'll do performances at these colleges. So that was right in the middle of the circuit run 
and that's a whole nother story of how yeah. uh, how I got that cooking. Because um, I was tired of hitting up promoters and you know th- these gatekeepers at these nightclubs and venues and bars, and I, I did all that. So I was like, dude, how there's got to be a better way to get in front of an audience. And so, really, after that Turner Hall show, it really just propelled everything, man. <laughs> like, I yeah. started to get calls from all types of people. That's where I, you know, I started to open up for all these other artists. It, that's when I li- released out uh, an album called Momentum, and it, it it just, you know, that's where the momentum was picking up. Yeah, you know, and then unfortunately, in I was performing at the University of Minnesota uh, for a Relay for Life event. Um, had about uh, three, four hundred people out in the crowd, and then tore my vocal cords right there on stage just rapping just did too much i had three shows in one weekend so i performed in a nightclub i did uh university of minnesota then i did hamlin university the next day so i little dude i was going and working an it job (laughs) all right we gotta talk about this how did you end up in it like oh you're rapping you're all this stuff so how are you learning active directory and linux and whatever you gotta learn let's talk about this it job yeah, so the I, the IT job side of it, so I got an opportunity through really an ex-best friend of mine, um, so we don't talk anymore. But well, we kind of, we're, we're cordial, cordial. Yeah. So his mom had was already working a job, and, and there was an, a job opening, and it said, you don't need any experience. We just need you to come in and answer the phones. That was it. Just come in, be support, answer the phones. And at the time, I was working at Menards which is like a home improvement store yeah. for people that are, you know, Midwest. So what happened is I got that job. And at the first, I didn't really care about it at all. Yeah, <laughs> I did it. I mean, I, I was so focused on music, man. I was so focused. And so it was just a job. I went in there and then they didn't really, they weren't a, very structured at the time. And then they started to get more structured and I started to like go deeper into it. And I started to apply myself later on. It took about two and a half years, though, for me to actually make that switch to apply myself. And I started working this IT job, and I had a boss at the time. He's actually a really good friend of mine uh, now, Rick Hartline. And so he was there at the Lead the Movement. Um, yeah. And he said, uh, but he really believed in in me with the music stuff I was doing, but also obviously want to make sure that I'm doing really doing good at, at, the, at the job. So he actually allowed me to kind of live this double life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, I would travel and be out like, you know, six, eight, 12 hours out in different states, come back over the weekend. And then like Monday, Monday morning, I'm sitting at the desk and I, <laughs> I'm answering calls. I'm, I'm working on technical issues. I'm doing all that stuff. And then Throughout the eight years, I actually just I started to apply myself and work myself up to actually a management position where I led a whole a whole team, and then we worked on the whole application, delivery, all that stuff. So, how did you manage both, right? Because to it's hard to grow in a career by itself, and it's hard mm-hmm. to grow a rap career. To grow both at the same time, it's t- it's tough. How'd you manage that? You know, sometimes I, I think back and I'm like, I don't know how I did it. Uh, it it's priorities, man. You just got to prioritize everything in your life. So I knew that, like, on my lunch breaks, dude, I'm making 50 calls. <laughs> I'm making yeah. 50 calls, hitting up people on the phone, you know, to, to try to book shows. And after my lunch break, I'm going back to the job. And I'm working that. Uh, wow. And then after I get clock out, I'm going in the studio. So, and then I'm doing the stuff. And then... 
you know, I, I run out at night, I promote, and, you know, go to these networking things or anywhere I could promote, play my music, give it to DJs. Like I was doing the whole thing, yeah. the whole thing. And uh, I guess the management side of it is just that when you're, and I try to tell this to a lot of young people, man, when you're doing, when you commit to doing something, do it, do it 110%. If you're going to s- spend your time somewhere, don't half-ass it. Don't, don't just give me 30%. Why? You're selling yourself short. Kill it everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. So basically when I was in IT, when I made the switch of actually caring about my role and my job my, and my potential future there, I started to say, look, I'm just going to start killing it here. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not apply myself? And then also in music. When I, now when I switch that off, when I sign out of that, I'm going to apply the, I'm going to apply the music. And that's what I did. But honestly, it came, it gave me a competitive advantage against a lot of these other artists that, that didn't know that business side. Mm. So then I started to really grow in that. And people were like, seeing me like, dude, how is he doing all this? (laughs) Yeah. Dude, like, how are you booking all these shows with no promoter? Like I was doing it. You know, what's crazy is that so many talented creatives, they're just not professional. And they get crushed. Like, they show up late. They miss meetings. They're kind of casual. They got this ego. And you got to be confident. You know, nothing wrong with ego. But you you can't let your ego get in the way of your success. And that's what kills a lot of people. It's like, yo, they're good, but I don't know if they're going to show up. So I don't want to put this as a headliner and this person don't even show up. And then now I look bad. So it's like when dealing with someone like you, it's like, yo, this guy, he shows up, he delivers, he's professional, he follows up, email. I know I'm not going to have a problem. He's going to do his part. I'm going to do my part. And that's when we win. So now let's take it back again. You tore your vocal cords. Yeah. During the show. What happened? Like, how, how is that? And how long is the recovery for something like that? So everybody's different. But what happened is I, I basically stretched your vocal cords. Your vocal cords are like an instrument. And so when you overuse it, it breaks. Yeah. And I wasn't taking care of it. So what happened is I have an inflamed lymph nodes, even in my throat till this day, till this day. So sometimes that happens, it kind of like expands and then it goes back to where, where it was. And then you're, you're good. And sometimes the recovery time could be, cause I, I saw throat doctors. I saw all these people, right? So it's <clears throat> anywhere from like, it could be a week to months to years depending on who it is. Now, unfortunately, I still have inflamed lymph nodes till this day. And I even have like this little like bump that's under my chin just from the inflammation. I can get a little surgery. They, they basically do a little incision and they cut it and they, they pull it out. I've always been skeptical of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, a, I mean, it's, it's a simple surgery, but it's not something that's like 100% like, oh, boom, okay, yeah. take it out. You're going to be cured, you know, type yeah. thing. So that damage on your, your vocals could, you know, so for me, it just, it lasted, you know, it's, it's in for the rest of my life, you know, I can still do it in spurts like you saw at the event, yeah. but I'm a little raspy after, you know, I'm a yeah. little, like, I can't go out and do it. Like I was doing it before yeah. three shows in one weekend, you know, half an hour to an hour set. Like that's a lot. You know, um, and you're talking over loud music afterwards and you're trying to network yeah. and like this, it just, it's a lot of work. So after that, you know, I had to really decide on like what I wanted to do. I still had shows lined up. So I did those shows. I did lip sing a couple shows like Mariah Carey. Um, you know, I, 
<laughs> I had to. I had to. I was trying to figure out what I was doing, and then, and then, actually, right after that, I actually went through a two and a half year depression because music was everything. That was the number one goal, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and I, it even just still like kind of hurts talking about yeah. it because like that that it, it's it was my identity. You know, like when people work yeah. a job for 40 years and then they retire and they're like, what do I do? And then they just start to decay and decline. And, yeah. you know, like that's basically what happened. And then uh, during those two and a half years, I was still working in IT. I just pour my, I just pour everything I had into the IT job. And that's when I started to get the promotions and all that stuff. So I had to make that huge shift and I kind of lost myself for a little bit. I had to figure out like what I, like what's going on because now you like you took this hip hop guy and you, you know, I'm pouring myself into IT. It's a whole different game. It's a whole different landscape. I've accomplished so much in music, so I was. It's a weird thing. It'll mess yeah. with your mind, you know. No, I can imagine. Like when you're when you've been working hard, you've been grinding, you had this vision, and it happens to a lot of people. Like I've seen a lot of high level athletes. They get an injury. There you go. And it's never example. They never, you know, they can't, because, you know, look, at the end of the day, sometimes, like, I've seen a lot of NBA prospects, right? They get injured, and that's it. They were, like, the hot thing, and then they never live up that's to hype. It. And it's like, you know, it, it killed careers, and it's like, you really can't do anything, right? And actually, on that point, real quick, just for, because you said you got a lot of younger people listening, always have a plan B. Yeah. Always. I, I've spoken at high schools, colleges, yeah, like, yeah. have a plan B, even if your plan your plan A is A1, hey, that's fine. You just don't know what's actually going to happen, especially for athletes. That's a perfect example. I get a lot of people like, man, football, that's it, man. I'm going to be an NFL star. That's what that. Cool. I support the vision. Just, like, put your head also into some other stuff, man. You know? Just have that plan B just a little bit. And I think because I had that IT job, if I was still working at Menards or Red Lobster or whatever, dude, I would have been like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I have no clue. I have don't even the slightest. But because I had that job and I put, and I poured myself, that's why I said, take, pour yourself into everything that you make a commitment to. So then because of that, that's why that job in a way kind of saved. I mean, I still was depressed, but I, it, it gave me something to do. It gave me something to work for. And as men, a lot of times we want to strive for something. We want to grow something, build something, you know? And so it, it, it's just so helpful to have, just have that plan B, man. I'm the perfect example. Like I have videos, footage, photos, everything, like everything I'm saying, I could back up 110%. I know how I know this stuff, but you got to have a plan B just in case, or maybe that plan A works out. And then you, what happens to a lot of rappers they want to then apply business to what they're doing. They want to sign a deal. They want to, you know, do a clothing line. They want to, you know, that's a whole business side. So you got to learn it at some point anyways. Why not have both cooking at the same time? Same thing with athletes. Like all this stuff is still the same, same concept. Like have that plan B. What else are you passionate about? What else do you want to do? Learn that game too. And you bring up an important point because there's one piece of advice that people will say, oh, if you have a plan B, you're accepting that you have a chance to fail. You're not putting... I had a UFC fighter, Demetrius Johnson, and he's one of the top five fighters of all time. <laughs> and he said he had a plan B. So it's like, you know, if a guy like that has a plan B who ended up being 
one of the best to ever do it in his area. Why can't you have a plan B? Because he said, look, if I wasn't making enough money or if I got injured, I got a family. I got to take yeah. care. You know, I got to yeah. take care of my wife. I got to I got to survive. So it's like there's nothing wrong with that because sometimes it's not accepting failure. It's accepting that sometimes stuff happens like, you you know, who goes into rap and thinks like, yo, I got to take care of my vocal cords. Something no one thinks about that. But then it happens. And now it's your life. Now it's your reality. You know, a lot of people, they, they just don't realize, like, you get diagnosed with something, you get this and that. Yeah. Now it's like, what do you do? And if you have nothing, you have no plan, you're kind of stuck. You can't, you because you can't even recover. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about moving up. Like, what was your title at the time and what'd you move up to? Yeah. So when I first, you talking about IT? Yeah. 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 I, I So first, um, just software support technician, you know? Yeah. So... I did software support, answer the phones. The cool thing about software support is it's not like a call center. Yeah. So I actually got to really dissect issues. So that would happen with the software. And there's different levels to it, you know. But back then we had a really small team. So I actually got to learn the ins and outs of the software. And literally where it's a smaller office. So like developers are right down the hall. You know, DBAs, your database yeah. team is right there. Your testing team some of the executives, like everybody is right there because our main corporate office was in Chicago. So I just want to, I'm just more painting that perspective for people yeah. that this job was, it was good when I got there because a lot of other places will go there, go to a job and literally just be a number. Like, yeah. <laughs> like literally, you know, you're just in that call center and you just answering phones, you yeah. clock out, no one cares. Um, I, it was a tight knit group. So I got to work and learn from a lot of these people right then and there. And that that's a blessing in itself. And then the next title I had was assistant um, team lead. And so that's when I grew from that technician role to like actually working with the manager at the time, the, the, the team lead about, you know, managing everything and, and helping, helping him with his tasks and responsibilities and got into more reporting, having to understand the, the actual the, the product, the software, had to go to uh, Chicago and uh, Oakbrook and actually like start to do like presentations in front of people, like to kind of sell people on the idea of, you know, support that we could, that we could support their, their software and like, you know, fight for things, you know, the, all that politics stuff. And yeah. then uh, eventually became the actual uh, team lead of the whole, of the whole thing. Um, but yeah. that team lead position was directly correlated with all our software releases. So we actually had weigh in and input into software releases. So we're dealing with development, we're dealing with all these different teams to push out the software release every two weeks. And so, mm. you know, I'm talking all the way up to the VPs and owners uh, of the company about certain, you know, topics and things that are happening with the software. So it was a huge um, learning, le like, education thing I had to go through and learn because everybody's coming in there with degrees and I didn't have a degree. So, but then what I found out is the magic part is if you apply yourself to something, all of a sudden I knew more than some of these people coming in with degrees. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I, how do I know this stuff? And I'm doing interviews, like I'm hiring people yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. And I'm like, how do you not know, you know, where your command prompt is at on your computer? Yeah. Like, how do you not know that? You know, like you, yeah, you yeah. have a degree right here. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, man. That's that's awesome to hear. So how did you being a performer and rapper 
help you in the workplace? Because I could imagine work presentation is a lot easier than on stage <laughs> where it's like you mess up bit. on stage. A little bit. I mean, it's it it's uh it's totally different. Totally different. Like the beat and the music, like you got something that you could just like yeah, yeah. kind of coast you through, right? A presentation is it's quiet. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's staring at you. You got it's all on you. Like you gotta deliver. Um, so it's it the the hip hop, me as a hip hop artist and performer, it helped me in every facet of my life because I learned real business. I learned how to market. I learned how to really unlock my own confidence within myself because I went through those things. I have, I have gone through more rejection than a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> so like I got thick skin. So a lot of things like it prepared me for every element of business. So when I just applied it into IT, a lot of times even going to talk to like the executives and stuff where people get nervous and stuff. Yeah, there's a little bit of like a little bit something that hits in your stomach, you know, right before you walk through the door or you got to do something. But to me, I'm like, dude, I've, I've opened up for major artists, dude. I've, I've done X, Y, and Z. I've, you know, I got a fan base. Like I was going in there like, dude, you can't touch me, man. Like, I mean, yeah, you might have your, you know, like your title, but like, dude, like I, I do this. You know, so like this, and more of, I'm more not saying that from an ego standpoint, there's probably a slight ego in there, but it's more of that confidence in, your, in yourself. So even when I didn't hundred percent know the answer to everything, I, what I like to call winging it. So you would, you would wing it to a certain degree because you trust in yourself to deliver the output of what it is. And so it helped in every single facet. And even till this day, that's my competitive advantage. A lot of these people, they haven't gone through what I've, what I've gone through. So it's, I use it in every single element of my life. And even like when I first threw the first lead, the movement conference, like it's such a vast grand idea, but I came from, you know, delivering that in smaller scale, but I knew I could do it. You know, I knew I just had to have the execution of it. And so like, yes, did I have all the answers? No, but did I figure it out because I've, done it on a smaller scale with Turner Hall, my own show. And then I did it with the whole arena at Pfizer Forum. Like, yeah, it's huge. But I'm like, I know I can, I know I can grit through this. I know I could do it. So you did the IT thing eight years. You know, you worked your way up. Mm -hmm. When did you say, hey, you know what? I should create my own media company where I promote other people because I know this business and I, I have the skills. Yeah. So for... For me, so really what happened is that uh, there was 45 people that got laid off is actually what happened. And I was one of those 45 people. And so at that point, I kind of looked at, I was like, I can go get another job. I can, I actually started another, like I tried to start another business with a couple of coworkers uh, in IT, doing IT consulting, went nowhere. I think I had like one meeting with some guy yeah. that... <laughs> <laughs> but like what happened is everybody started bowing out and I was the last one there. And then I was yeah. like, I was like, do I really want to do this? <laughs> like, I don't know if I love it that much, you know, to like yeah. start a whole business. That business was called Innovision or something like that. Uh, yeah. We gave it a logo and everything. And then the, uh, the third one. So that's when I actually started uh, my own company uh, and that was Forever Productions back then. And so I just 
basically threw those three things out. I threw my resume out to places. I started that kind of IT consulting thing. And then I started my own business with anything I was kind of good at. I was doing artist consulting. I was doing beat production. I was doing um, videos, photos. I mean, I had a list of service, graphic design. I had everything on there. And the video and photo stuff uh, started to take off just within more of the entertainment side, because that's what I knew. I kind of went back to what I knew. And then eventually I switched over to corporate. But that decision to go into myself, that's because I had been thinking about it for years. You know, I was already an entrepreneur when I was doing music. So by the time when I lost, you know, lost my job, I was like, maybe this is just a call from God just to say, like, dude, just do this. You you might not know exactly how to do it, but, <laughs> but you yeah. should just do this for yourself. And I had learned just so much about business and being there at that job that I was like, yeah, I I have a lot of skill sets that I could, I could apply and, and take the, take the bet on myself. And that was nearly a decade ago. So how was that first year in business? Sucked. <laughs> sucked. Absolutely sucked. I mean, it's exciting. So like, it's funny. Cause it's like, uh, it's like when you get that, you know, you go on your first couple dates, yeah. you know, and you're just like, you got that, like the jitters, you got that excitement, you got all that going through you, everything is new and fresh. And, you know, that's, that's what an early entrepreneur is. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's exciting. Doesn't matter if it's bad or good. It's all exciting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're just going through the motions. And so, uh, it was, it was cool in that sense, but so much learning. I mean, after my, you know, few months of reserves, you know, kind of dwindled out. That's when I was like, oh man, I got to do something. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got to really do it. Um, it is a struggle. It's tough. It's, it's anytime you present something new out into the market, like it's just, it's tough, you know, and people knew me and for certain things, but I had to show them that I'm now an entrepreneur. Like I'm a, so I went from this IT hip hop guy in certain circles and people I hung out with to you run your own business? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and they have to trust me to to deliver their their product uh, or service, you know, and to deliver that service. So it it was definitely tough. It was definitely tough, man. Uh, I think it was like I think I probably made like I think I looked just looked back at my sheet, it was like seventeen thousand or something like that. Yeah. The first year. Like I didn't I barely, mean that was better I, than me, man. I made like <laughs> zero. So <laughs> people well, don't really talk about it. I knew how to market. I knew how to get that stuff. So I would do, I was hitting up. Dude, so when I started my business, man, I was on Twitter and I had this thing where I, every week I would send out 400 connection requests or messages, emails, some kind of connection between another individual every week. And I would not go to bed until this was done. Every week, 400 people. And that's just what it takes. So like I was messaging on Twitter, emails. I was, you know, hitting people on Facebook. I was anything I could possibly do. And what happened is just one guy changed my whole business. His name is DJ Payday. I'm still good friends with him to this day. He's the boy. So he's this the payday guy, for you. Yeah, he was, he was literally DJ usually payday. Because what happened is he just gave me a bunch of introductions for nothing. For nothing. He's the most one of the most selfish people that I know. He still doesn't want anything to this day. He wow. just is amazing. I, I, every time I see him, dude, I'm like, thank you. I always just, thank you, you know? And he just, he introduced me to so many amazing creatives. And that was really the kickstart to 
my business. Um, I had other little, little stuff going, but nothing like he had introduced me to some people I'm still connected to today that are doing crazy, crazy things, you know? So that first year was just such a learning experience, but I'm, I'm like grateful, but you got to put in that grind and that grit and just like, you got to learn. bro. <laughs> yeah. So much to learn. <laughs> yeah. There's so much to learn. So how was your number two for you? And what would you say really turned things around? Like what lessons did you learn that took year two to a different level? Year two, I feel like was still that learning. What happened is, is that I started to become a little more confident and then known for the things that, that I was doing. But I was more in the entertainment space still. So I still was trying to figure out, I'm doing videos. Like I do, I film for uh, Jadena. Little Wayne, Juicy J. I started to film for dude. I went right back to my roots, man. I went yeah. right back to like, <laughs> yeah. I know the entertainment game. I know how to change my circle. I know how to get into these rooms. And I started to film for all these, all these people. Tank. I mean, the list goes on. I filmed for so many people. And it was all through the radio station at the time. So yeah. I was going through a radio station and then some nightclubs. So I I just me, it was actually me and my guy uh, Promise, uh, which I call P-Rock, but you know, Promise. Yeah. But uh, he, you know, and he's doing incredible things right now. But what, what we did is, you know, he had a vision and I was, I had a vision to kind of, to help support what he was doing. And he's like, dude, let's document this stuff. So he was just going out and doing this stuff. And I was rolling with him. I'm his camera guy. And we were just filming all this stuff. And that really, that really helped me. But what, what, what really I learned in year two of the biggest difference is that basically when you leave a conversation Make sure that people know the next steps. That was like my yeah. year two thing. Because I had gotten so many conversations and sometimes there was no next yeah. steps, you know? Um, but I had, I had just, I, and also another thing is I said yes to everything. Everything. Yeah, in I the beginning, I, it's just like everything's exciting. <laughs> and then you realize like, yo, not everything is worth it. Yeah, not everything. But I said yes. And I had a lot of learning lessons. I filmed a TV show that never came out. I just did a bunch of stuff because I'm just networking, marketing myself. Crazy. Still do it to this day. But that's, I just went back to what I knew. So I feel like my biggest learning lesson from then, and I, I think I, I think then it was like 34000 or something like that I made that year. So I'm yeah. going to double. Yeah. <laughs> you could buy pizza and stuff with that money. <laughs> It was still just myself and going out, but you know, it started to get a little tiring, you know, because that was a lot of entertainment stuff. I'm out super late. It was like four o'clock in the morning. I'm getting home, and like it just yeah. it got a little, little bit of burnout, you know, from that. Yeah, and then and and just and that's when I started to hone in a little bit more on the video side, yeah. video and, and 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 photography instead of all the artist consulting and like all the other stuff because artists are just yeah. they're broke. You know, yeah, they, yeah. They, they don't got a lot of money. I understand it. They don't got a lot of money. So they're very picky and choosy where they want to spend their money. Yeah. So now how, how was your threes to like seven? How did that go? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of, I would say chapters. In yeah. That three to three to seven. Because so year three, I learned the, one of the most important lessons. And I, I tell this to a lot of people, but it was... Since I was known as the video guy, the problem is I lost out on gigs because they thought I was just a one-man band. So all my marketing was all me holding the camera, taking pictures with all these artists, with all these other people. You know, like, it was always just me. Yeah. 
one of my first, this is when I slowly started switch over to corporate, but I got my first, I use it using a site called Thumbtack. I okay, I've heard, heard of Thumbtack. Thumb yeah, I've yeah. heard of Thumbtack. Yeah. So I started to use Thumbtack and then that, it was just people looking for stuff, you know? So I put my bid in back then, like you had to just pay a couple bucks, get yeah. a lead, and then if you can get on a call with them, great. Sometimes there's some loot, like some uh, some kind of uh, shortcuts you could take to not pay and like find their yeah. contact information and send them a message. And so what happened is I started working for this company, this health company um, in Chicago. And I was just doing their lunch and learns. I was just going down there, doing their lunch and learns, doing video for them. Eventually, what happened is they needed a promotional video. They did not call me. So I found out about this afterwards. And I... I Went to my contact and I said, you know, I shoot video. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm right there. Why didn't you hit me up? He's like, oh, I thought it was just you. I didn't think you could handle a job like that because they had paid some other company out of Texas. Like, I think it was, they gave me rough numbers, but I think it was like yeah. around 17,000. They paid for the, plus hotels, plus stay, all that yeah. stuff. But they didn't even ask me because I had marketed myself as the one man dude. Mm. With a camera. So my biggest learning lesson to that one was you got to show a team. You got to show. So then from that point on, I started to, even when the gig did not require it. Yeah, yeah. I would bring people with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden I had two videographers. I had a lighting person. Yeah. I had, you know, I started just like to bring people in. So then even like if it's a small shoot, I'm setting up for a gigantic thing, man. I'm setting up everything I got in there. And people started to be like, yeah, Jamar, yeah. And then I started to slowly turn from the video guy, runs a video production company. Mm, I see, and I see. That's, that, that was one of the biggest changes, even for me to start getting more of the corporate jobs. My website changed, the, my, my social media stuff changed, all that stuff changed. Because I was like, I'm not losing out on more gigs. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm scraping by with these, you know, uh, $1,000, $500, $250 yeah. sometime for a night. You know, I'm just trying to do anything I can. And then I passed out on 17 stacks. Come yeah. on. Man. <laughs> so then now how big were the, some of the gigs getting now that they know, wow, Jamar is the dude. Like he can really make it happen. Yeah. A couple thousand, you know, sometimes 4,000, 5,000, you know, because now they see the team. I started to get, um, and then I started to do a lot more events. So I yeah. switched from like the, the entertainment side to more corporate and then event yeah. uh, production. And then I started doing a lot of stuff with speakers. And that's yeah. kind of when, the, and this is all in that year three. And I'll share this with you because this is the No Degree podcast. So we got we to go deep real quick. Yeah. So what happened is year three, a crazy thing happened. Everything was going good, dude. I was cooking. Cooking. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the winter hits. Now, right now it's winter. Right now it's, it's, it's January. Yeah. So I don't know when this releases out, but it's January. Just paint this picture, everybody. January is Wisconsin. There's a lot of snow. Around Wisconsin, not a lot of people do a lot of stuff when the snow hits. Yeah. So you got the holidays, and then you got snow. And it just, it just runs a little slow around here until, like, it picks up a little bit, gets a little warmer. And then Janai's already seen, like, it's popping in Milwaukee, you know, yeah. when it's nice outside. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice. Popping. Yeah. So what happened is I didn't set up anything for that slow period. So for three months, I literally had nothing. There's no clients. I was trying to talk to everybody, do, every, do all this stuff. No one wanted to move on anything. So for three months, I had all this momentum. 
boom. It was like right uh, November hit, boom. And all of a sudden, nobody wanted to do anything. And that was a big learning lesson for me because I was like, I need to figure out a way to make sure this never happens again. Dude, I was eating ramen noodles. I was doing, yeah. I mean, anything to get by. I mean, heat got cut off. I mean, all the things that an entrepreneur goes through. And that was a huge learning lesson, huge learning lesson. So make sure that you're set up. Think about what are some slow times that happen? What do you need to do? either from a business perspective, like either you need to create a product or a service to help you through those times where like, then I started to like tell people, Hey, we could film your ho holiday parties. We could do, yeah. you know, like I started to throw all that out there. Cause like, what are people doing right now? You know, like I need to create the product or the offer for them during that time. Or you need to kind of set aside some stuff and take when the getting's getting good and set aside for that rainy day to kind of keep you steady and afloat. So that was a huge, huge learning lesson. Things happen. That's just the entrepreneur. Like you'll get the highs, you'll get the lows. And it's like, you have to be able to go through the lows. So now were you able to get even bigger gigs? Because you were getting these four or five K gigs. Did, did it get even bigger? Yeah, but it kind of stayed steady for a while, to be yeah. honest. Like, so now we go like to the five to or uh, three to five. It was just kind of steady, just kind of within that range. Every once in a while, have that seven K you know, 7K gig or 8K doing like big corporate videos um, for certain campaigns or if it was for um, sometime uh, companies got, um, especially like nonprofits or associations got grants. And so they got to, they need to produce something. Um, so working through there and then depending on the event, how many days we were there filming, all that stuff. Then getting into the speaker market, um, working with a lot of speakers, doing a lot of highlight reels and things like that for them, learning that game. So it started to slowly climb, but it still was very sporadic, I would say. You know, like it wasn't like I'm getting a consistent number. It was just around, it got to a point where I said, well, I'm not doing anything less than a thousand. It definitely got to that point, you know, uh, from that three to five, because I was like, we, now I'm bringing out a team member. I'm bringing out a yeah, team. Yeah. I'm, bringing, <laughs> I'm bringing people out, man. So I made sure that I, I said no to the, you know, to, I got 200 bucks, man. Do something for me. I said, nah, yeah. you know. <laughs> so yeah, the, the, the growth was through there. I started to more formulate a team. I had a few uh, contractors I worked with on a continual basis and just started to build up more of a brand by, at that time. And then from five to seven, that was kind of the biggest shift of the business. Cause now you're getting into, you know, right before 2020 and you know, yeah. stuff like that. So I went through a huge shift because I, so what happened is I kept doing all this video stuff and I was yeah. getting known for it. Problem is give a video to somebody. They don't know what to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> they have no clue what to do with it. They pay all this money, thousands of dollars and it, they post it once. <laughs> oh man. They, they post it once. They, they put it on their website. That's it. So to them, like, that's a loss. It's a loss. You know, like, oh, I got this fancy new video. I, can, I don't know how to market it. So then I was like, dude, I need to get more skin in the game. So that's when I got into the marketing. That's exactly when I started to say, okay, let me, let me help you market your video. And so then I got more into that game of, like, social media. How do you post it? Like, are you chopping it up? Are you doing, like, all that stuff, like, doing more of the consulting. And so I did all in, you know, all different types of jobs doing you know, marketing stuff. And then I had a business partner for a year that did not pan out, but it was a learning experience, you know, thought that coming together with another kind of force could 
propel and we could do some good stuff. But what, you know, what happened is just learning experience. Cause you got to make sure all your, your values, your morals, everything else that, you know, there's a deeper partnership like that. Um, so that, that happened for a year, but I learned a lot through that year because we got to talk to a lot of companies and, and, and really pitch the marketing side of things instead of just the video. And so th- through that transition, that's actually where truly like forever media was really born because I wanted to mold in that media video, that outward side into the marketing side. And so, and COVID kind of also propelled that too, because everybody went virtual, everybody's doing that stuff. So really had to rethink because during COVID, no one's getting a video shoot. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Who's getting a video shoot during COVID, man? Um, yeah. The only videos they were pumping out was just COVID videos, which we did. Yeah. We did the little like, hey, wear your mask, be safe yeah. for any. And then events went went down. Yeah, dead. So we're not doing event stuff. So I had to really think like, what do I want to do here? And so 2020 was actually, uh, we went, we were going up in revenue and then we yeah. took a dive. Like most businesses, unless yeah, you're yeah. selling toilet paper or sanitizer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, obviously I find that a lot of people after you had several dips, I find after several dips, you realize like, yo, you think you recollect and it's like, yo, I'm never going to have a dip like this again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what happens. I mean, unless there's a pandemic, you can't yeah, you can't anticipate yeah. a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't do nothing but that. But and I, I just heard this from somebody else though, which is crazy because everybody thinks that just because you got money coming in, that like it's, it it becomes easy. Yeah, it doesn't. It's, it's always worked. It doesn't because there's phases, there's stages to business. So I just heard somebody talking about this the other day, where you know when they were making millions of dollars through their business, but they were actually cash strapped. Mm. So there's phases to things because if you think about it, not a lot of people, you know, talk about this stuff, but you got bigger bills. <laughs> yeah. You got, you got more overhead. You got more crucial decisions that need to be made. That is big dollars. If you make a couple miscalculations, it could be detrimental. Yeah. That's why a lot of small businesses fail is because they get to a certain point and they have these decisions. And through the stages, I'm learning this stuff. Even currently today, you know, like we doubled, essentially doubled our revenue from last year. But the, the, the thing is, I got more bigger decisions. And then also when you put trust in people to do things, because then the other thing is like when you were doing everything, you have full control. Yeah. When you start putting trust in others and they mess up, then all of a sudden it's on you. And so you got to now work through that and figure out, especially if it's a financial uh, hiccup or a mistake or what, what if it's a personnel mistake? What if like you have all these things now and you just have, you have more, more weight, you have more, more things that you have to figure out. So through these stages, you kind of just have to learn as you grow and like you have like the startup stage and then you got like you, there's stages to a business. And right now I think I'm in a shift <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right yeah. now. I feel like I'm trying to get from one stage to the next. And so I'm learning myself. Like I didn't, like I said, I didn't, I don't have all the answers, but I, I learn, I adapt, I grow. Yeah. We definitely got to do a part two. Cause I know it's going to be another, sh- another shift. You can do a lot of things. So I want yeah. to ask you if you saw your 18 year old self walking across the street today, what would you tell 18? Oh man. Yeah. What do you tell? Yeah. I was a a rug rat. (laughs) 
Um, oh man, I just feel like I would have to have like such a crazy conversation, you know, with that, with them. Um, one of the biggest things, and I think this is more just me as a, as a creative, I'm a dreamer. I'm a visionary. You know, the problem is a lot of people just talk about their dreams or they talk about their visions, but that it never actually comes to life. I'm a guy that if I talk about it, it's probably going to happen. I would tell my younger self that through your dreams, your ambitions, your visions, just always make sure that you try to take care of the people that are coming with you on your vision and your dream and your mission. Because the problem is when you shoot so big, sometimes it doesn't always add up exactly how you pictured it. You may pull it off, but it may not end up exactly in the fall, just like when you build up a business, the fall is not just you, it's everybody. And this is why big companies oftentimes are not innovative. And we get, we get like, dude, why won't they just do this? Because they have a whole slew of people that are deciding and, and counting on every single decision that that company makes. And that's why they're so slow. And that's why they don't really do much. It's because they're so, they're so averse to that, that risk-taking. So just, I would tell my younger self, just really try to analyze risk just a little bit more, risk reward. Also dive into, your, into who you are now. That's another thing. Cause I didn't, people didn't really start knowing me for real, for real. Like, especially within the business world, especially like on LinkedIn and stuff until I started diving into who I am. I hid the, the hip hop stuff for a while. Like I didn't even talk about it for years. Cause I was like, who wants to talk to a guy that's got hip hop, you know, and I'm trying to sell him on video, you know, like who wants to do that? But the moment I started to wear the hat to be myself, to do my own thing, and share my own story is, is when actually more business came <laughs> and more opportunities and more things. So I would tell that younger self, like, just pour into you the whole time. And it's all, it's, it's, it, it will work out. And just monitor that risk versus reward because I know you're a big dreamer and thinker, but when you take a bunch of people with you, then, you know, you're responsible for, for, those, for those people. No, I love that. So thank you so much for sharing the story. How would people support you and follow you? Man, we got tons of ways. So we Let's got go. uh, on social media, you know, just, just follow me on uh, LinkedIn. It's the best platform. We're also on uh, Instagram. I uh, got a good following there on Forever Media. Um, it's F-O-U-R-E-V-A Media. Uh, my name is Jamar Jones. So you can follow me on there. You can buy my book on Amazon, Change yep. Your Circle, Change Your Life. I go into a lot more of this stuff. You can also support our podcast, which is the Forever Podcast. Um, we're streaming everywhere. So you can find us there on uh, forevermedia.com slash podcast. There's ways so that you can support there. Um, and then also just reach out. That's the best way you can support me is just reach out, see on how I can help you and help, you know, who I can connect you with. And you never know, you might be able to change your circle to change your life. Yeah. So thank you so much for this episode. Really appreciate you. Looking forward to that part two, man. Thank you, man. I'll, I'll be happy to do it. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by... You! No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. 
Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.